Hello, and welcome to A Culinary Observation. I'm your host, Marco Gutierrez. Welcome back to this podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Uh, so, quick recap of what's been going on in life, I suppose. Uh, obviously, I have slowed down significantly on the recording and editing process of this podcast, and it's definitely taken a backseat to what I have been doing currently. And I've been out in the field more, working a lot more, um, you know, just growing and learning in the sports entertainment industry, and. It's been exciting stuff to see the whole world open up again. You know, masks are slowly disappearing from kitchens and people vaccinated are... It's just growing. There's more people out there, which is good. Um, so looking forward to the future, I, I think it's going to be fun. And hopefully we get good crews to join along wherever we're at. But to stop all of that and focus on what we're doing today... This episode is with my friend Shelby that I recorded a little bit back ago and actually got edited. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we had a good conversation. He's someone I've known for a short amount of time, but in that short amount of time, learned a lot about him and got to, you know, build this awesome relationship with him. Uh, he's now in Colorado. Uh, he's working on his own project. And, you know, he, he had been in sports entertainment with me at Texas A&M. And yeah, he's just a really great guy, and you'll hear he's absolutely genuine and just someone nice to know in the industry and in life in general. He's someone that I would most definitely work for at any point in life, whether it was paid or not paid. I, don't, I really don't care. He's just such a nice guy, and yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Marco. Hi, Shelby. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great, Marco. How are you? I am doing quite well. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's such a good honor to have you on here. A guy that I've known from at least one location. <laughs> it's just been weird, man. Like This whole pandemic has just been interesting to like keep in communication with people. Yeah, I thought it might maybe... Uh allow me to communicate more with people that I hadn't talked to for a long time, but I only did that like once. Yeah, it's a weird... <laughs> I feel like if you're not already doing it, it's a, it makes it a little harder, but I don't know. Yeah, that's just me. Yeah. So, let me just start with the, the, the most simplest question is, uh, so what really got you into the culinary industry? Well, I would say we really uh, hammered it in because I'd held down some, some cook jobs in the past at you know, smaller restaurants and a couple music venues. Um but didn't really think that that's the path I wanted to venture down. It was just a job to make some cash. Um, but yeah, moving to Texas A&M with Abby, who um, for those of you who might be listening is my wife now, but she was my girlfriend at the time and she was a front of house for Levy restaurants and she got a promotion to move out to Texas. I moved out there with her just thinking that, um, you know, it's a college town. I could find a job bartending easy in a college town. And within like two weeks, I was also working for Levy. And then <laughs> was, uh, I did the whole first football season down there as a front of house guy. And then helped out, uh, Chef Piku, uh, for the winter when he just, all the students kind of left and he didn't really have much help in the kitchen for catering events. And after the very first day, he's like, you're not leaving my kitchen, Shelby. <laughs> that is him for sure. He will grab yeah. whoever is like, if, you're, if you can cook, you're in here and I'm not going to let you leave. Yeah. So, and that was it. And, you know, uh, just how uh, intense that kitchen was and, and not in a bad way as far as like, it didn't feel like I was going to get fired if I burnt the cheese sauce or something, <laughs> which might have happened once or twice. Um, but it was intense as far, of that. <laughs> yeah, just as far as numbers go. I mean, it's such a big stadium, and 
but the the reward at the end of that first game I did as as culinary is just like, wow, we just fed a whole lot of people. <laughs> when when we first met, you were dry. You were like the driver in between, uh, the hotel chefs. Was that right? Yeah. Were you there that first season? Did you come support? Yeah, I was there for game two, and I feel like I remember somebody. Like picking that us up me. and drop. Okay, yeah, that was on game yeah. days, though, right? <laughs> yeah, just people getting in from the airport. Um, you know, College Station didn't have a whole lot of Ubers or cabs, so uh, just knowing, like Abby had been with the company for so long, the regionals knew me from coming to see me when I was a bartender. So Abby would get off work if the regionals were in town. She'd go, "Hey, we should all have a drink at Shelby's bartending." So I met them through just working at a bar and Abby bringing them in. And so when, when they were down there helping open up that stadium, they're like, what is Shelby doing? Can he drive these people around that we have flying in from all over the country? Can he like drive them to him from the hotel airport? And I was like, yeah, of course I can. Uh, <laughs> but I, I only did that for, yeah, I think the, the first two games. And then I started actually working for Levy in the stadium. So, yeah, I, I just like v- vaguely remember like seeing you, and I was like, "I was like, this guy looks so familiar. I swear he's been somewhere." And then, yeah, you stopped picking us up, and you were actually working in the stadium. But like, we didn't officially meet until like what was probably your second season, first season as a culinary, and my first season there as culinary, like a supervisor. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That was that was really cool. I was happy to see that like that kitchen went from having a, such a small amount of people to actually like having multiple people finally in there along with temps, of course. Well, yeah. And you know, I, I can't think of a, granted it's only been about six or seven years that I've been in the, uh, the big stadium game, but the, uh, the strength of the, the core four, I would say four or five of us, you know, mm-hmm. um, as far as culinary supervisors slash sous chefs, or uh, I guess, I guess we were all culinary supervisors at one point. Yeah, we all <laughs> just because were... they want they wanted to pay us more, <laughs> they want us to leave. <laughs> but just yeah, the strength of the those, I mean, and we all brought different strengths. You know, like your attention, Absolutely. your attention to detail on the cooking side of things was just uh, unmatched. A Theo could just. He could have five different tilt skillets going and something on the grill and like and just yeah. knock it out of the park. And Moses just smoking thousands of pounds of brisket <laughs> and pork butt. And then I would be like, "We don't have enough equipment in these other areas. I better move stuff." <laughs> no, I was happy to like when you were there. Like, I know you were like a little shy of like culinary like creativity like you were able to get in there you were like way better than just any set of hands you were like also a leader too like you knew how to organize which was like so key to like the four of us because we were all kind of like i feel like we were all learning at the same time like all right we're supervisors how do we like supervise now when it's just us like what's what's the most important thing for us to do you were like a good manager of time and like uh, people like getting this, getting them set up and giving them the, the proper skills and like talking to them. You, you had good communication skills, I will say to everyone in the kitchen. Yeah. And I think like, that was, yeah. that was definitely, I think my biggest, well, just when, you know, 25 or 30 temps show up, I've never been in that kitchen before. Like we're paying for them to be there from the second they are driving there basically. So, yeah. uh, Figuring out a game plan before they got there was important to me so that I wasn't wasting their time and, and actually like being more comfortable about what I could be accomplishing at the same time. Yeah, like I could see you were stressed out at times, but like it didn't, you weren't as frustrated as like, I, like I had a, a really shitty attitude. Like I think my second year, third year there, uh, not so much a third year, but the second year I had like a really shitty attitude and like, if it weren't for like you and Theo kind of holding everything up, I think me and Moses, because he was kind of feeding off of me, I, I felt like sometimes, and uh, you know we would have we would have drowned for sure. But like you guys held up so much of it and kept us like kept us going, even though shit was hard, and uh, yeah, it just felt like limited resources at times, even though we had so much. Yeah, it's crazy now to cook in different kitchens, like 
pop-up kitchens or tent kitchens or even massive stadiums like uh, T-Mobile Park, you know, the amount of the, the, the caliber of kitchen at A&M was outstanding. <laughs> yeah, it's fresh it's and brand new. Definitely top notch as far as uh, kitchens, I've, kitchens I've worked out of. So. Absolutely. So we spent time at Texas A&M, and then just to kind of look into the future, you started, you left uh, Texas and went to Washington, correct? Yeah, yep. So uh, again, Abby Washington got a State. job. Yeah, Washington State. So Abby got a job with uh, the Seattle Seahawks who were going self-op. So they weren't doing any of the big uh, um, food service companies like Levy or Aramark or Legends. Uh, they were just trying to do their own thing. And they did it successfully for three years. I went. Uh, there wasn't a Levy property in Seattle at that time. So I left Levy for the moment and just did some hotel. I really wanted to... Uh, I felt like in three years at, in Texas and uh, the amount of food I cooked down there, I was ready to cook eggs. I wanted to cook eggs better than anybody that I knew and just really perfect it. So I got a a lead cook uh, position at a, a fancy hotel in downtown Seattle running their breakfast. And now, yeah, I definitely am very confident with eggs now <laughs> after a, a year <laughs> year doing that what's funny is I, I never knew like an over hard egg I, I one I never would think to order that for like you know I want bacon toast and and over hard eggs right <laughs> who wants like an egg yolk like that it's just weird well, and it really came down to when I interviewed for the I was interviewing for two different hotels one was called Lowe's Hotel and the other was uh, an NBC Suites which was brand new and right in like the the heart of the stadium district of uh, downtown Seattle oh, and it yeah, it came down to like interviewing with the chefs and they both offered me a job on the spot. And Ooh. I just, I appreciate like both chefs were awesome. But I was like, I think I'm going to go with the chef at Lowe's. I just feel like him and I would click a little bit better. And yeah. then my very first day was his very last day. and He didn't tell me that in my interview. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we had a sous chef who wasn't ready to be a, an executive chef by any means. I, he didn't even want to do it. Uh, I don't wow. even think he wanted to be a chef in general. Um, so it was just very, uh, very stressful. Um, and then, you know, in Seattle, there's this thing called Seattle sick time. People can just not show up to work as long yep. as they call you like an hour before. <laughs> and it, so I'd be running a breakfast line that I had no idea what the menu was. There was no wow. chef there, and I finally get this over hard egg order, and <laughs> I just cook real low so I don't burn the eggs because the one thing I learned is no brown on any of the eggs. You can't brown the egg at all. I was like, okay. Yeah. And so I send out this over hard egg order, and you know the, the yolks are just real fully intact, and it gets sent back, and the and the server's like, yeah, you're supposed to pop these when you before you flip them, so. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So. Yeah, it's a weird expectation. Have you ever? Did you ever make a basted egg? Oh man, that was always the worst because it's always in like the height of everybody trying to get to the airport. Yeah, and then you get one basted egg with <laughs> just like, oh gosh. <laughs> but yeah, I got lots of them. Yeah, <laughs> like I said earlier, I'd run that whole breakfast line. So the fryer, cold, hot, uh, because people just wouldn't show up for the first like six months I was there. Uh, and then we finally got a chef and things turned around, but, um, we'd also have like oyster shooters in the morning, but what? That w there was nothing anybody really ever ordered, but maybe like once every two months, the one person that walks in with a hangover. Yeah. And I don't, I, I would set up the oyster station after I closed down my breakfast line, the, the lunch people came in, I would make sure they're set. I would set up the oyster line before I got out of there, you know, because yeah. I'd get there at 4 a.m. I'd leave around 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So the last thing I'd do is set them up for happy hour oysters. But uh, <laughs> when that wasn't set up, it was the worst to try and find the shucker and just get like, oh, nobody made mignonette last night after they ran out of it. So I got to uh. make mignonette on the fly. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it kind of stays true to the uh, – almost the stadium life, you know, where, Oh, well like me stealing your ranch all the time. 
<laughs> like I would never make myself enough ranch. <laughs> Be like, Marco, you got any ranch, man? <laughs> oh man, no. I mean, like, yeah, it was easy enough to like, oh yeah, we just we made ranch. If we had shit, we would know we'd make more of it. But like, I remember there was plenty of times where we'd under order for some reason. Something would happen where someone just had to use a lot of mayo for something else or it wasn't like accounted for in someone else's recipe. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, we all used up the mayo. Like, what do we do to make, you know, what are we going to do? Like, if I can start breaking eggs now? Like, I think I tried once and totally failed to make, like, mayo from scratch just because I was so, like, anxiety-driven and stressed out. I was like, oh, I can't do this right now. I don't know what I'm doing. We, we all just need to figure I don't know. Somebody look for something. Well, and, you know, it's not that easy because at that <laughs> hotel, we did have to make our own mayonnaise. Like I had, I had to make aioli, and it was like a, and I was making like eight gallons of it, you know, every time. And I had that huge stick blender, and about an hour into pouring that oil, you're just like so exhausted holding yeah, your arms thing just tired. Ever. Yeah, I mean, I totally feel you in it, the hotel life. Like that was like my first experience, which I love so much, and like every like I just. Everything you were saying, I could just see it in my head of, like, what it was like to set up, you know, the breakfast line and get lunch set up later after. Like, I never had to do oysters in the same place, but, like, I've always been in different restaurants that have had, like, stuff like that. And, yeah, it does suck when you're, like, trying to, like, set everything up. Just trying yeah. to have, like, a, a smooth day get, beca- could become so complicated, but you're so happy when you get one of those days. It's just like, uh, everything worked out finally. Yeah, and for me, that was, you know the best lessons I think I learned from A&M was, and, and for the small amount of time I spent at uh, Spurs, I think especially because that kitchen was old. <laughs> I, the last job I had uh, before COVID was uh, sous chef of sweets for the Seattle Mariners. Oh, oh, you were up at Seattle Mariners too? Yeah. yeah. Was your yeah. chef T- Tyler Park? Taylor yeah. Park? It was. Ah, yeah. I've worked with him before. He's such a nice guy. He's so awesome. And I really wish I got to actually like learn from him mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Cause I got hired in February and COVID and then oh, not no. sure, if, not sure if there's a baseball season, but Hey, let's do a tasting. So we did like a sweets tasting. That's the only time I ever cooked in the like two and a half months I was there. Um, I was technically furloughed until January <laughs> when wow, dude. Yeah, Taylor uh, reached out to me. He goes, Hey man, we're, we're going to have a season and I would love to have you still. I go, Oh man, I couldn't afford to live there without working. So I moved, moved back to Colorado. Wow. That's so crazy, man. Yeah. Taylor Park was such a, such a great guy. He was my roommate at uh, Indian Wells. Yeah. He had 11 properties. What? Because I, I was with Center Plate when Center Plate did uh, Mariners. Oh wow! Okay. And and he was a regional. Granted, like the Mariners was his home base, but he had, I think there was like three properties in Seattle, three or four down in Tacoma, and he had a couple in Hawaii that he had to go to all the time. What? Too. That wow! Yeah. Good fortune on that guy. Happy for him. What? Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, when it's not baseball season, we'll have to get you guys out to Hawaii to do something." I'm like, oh, oh my wow. god, <laughs> support in Hawaii, dude, <laughs> sounds terrible. Oh no! <laughs> but, but all I did for those two and a half months, minus like you know a few, I, I guess we fed the staff a few times as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we couldn't really have hourly guys in there. Yeah. Um, so I just I went to the sweets kitchen. And after, I don't know how old that stadium is, probably about 20 years or maybe a little more, um, a little unorganized up in that sweets kitchen. Uh, I should say a lot. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some stories. <laughs> Just all the, you know, we did pizzas for sweets and then there was a club up there. So we needed fancier stuff for the club, but it was just everywhere. And underneath everything was just didn't have enough love for a long time. So I spent two months taking everything off, putting them on the Metro racks, scrubbing, degreasing, and just getting so happy about this kitchen that I'm about to cook out of. And then <laughs> there's not going to be baseball with fans. So we can't have you oh, tragic, on the man. staff anymore. Yeah. But, you know, built character. I, I Like you said, cleaning, sometimes it's it's nice, but that's all I did for 
my last job for two and a half months. Yeah, when it when it comes <laughs> down to just doing cleaning, yeah, then it's like, uh, okay. Like, I'm doing it just because this is what we have to do. Yeah, such a bummer. But I think also when, when you, you know, when you become in, and when you get put into more of a leadership role and you're asking people to do things like that, you understand how shitty it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but how necessary. And it's nothing, it's nothing that you wouldn't do yourself, you know? Yeah. And if, if people are aspiring to move up in the culinary world at all, I mean, that's, that's step one. If it's not clean, then you're doing everything wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I've been battling with that, these thoughts in my head of, um, I don't know if you feel like this, but um, when there's people to actually lead, I feel like I'm losing that practice of leading people. And I've been kind of worried that when the time comes that we have, uh, you know, full staffing, am I going to be as effective as a leader? Because I just don't, I feel like I'm losing relationships with people, you know? Like, I don't really know who's going to be back or who I'm going to work with in the near future. So right now, I'm not leading anybody. I'm, I'm doing, you know, responsible for most of the work. So it feels strange to, like, I feel like I'm losing my charm or something. I'm not sure. Well, I was I'm definitely worried about that, too. Um, recently, actually last weekend, I worked at Dick's Sporting Goods Park for the Colorado Rapids. Oh, wicked. But just as an independent contractor, um, just through connections, some people that used to work for Levy that now work for legends mm. chef there was looking for help. They're like, Oh, Shelby is in Colorado again. And he is waiting for this food trailer to be built. So like, don't, you know, hit him up. I don't know if he will do it, but, uh, but of course I would. I mean, I'm jumping at the bit to do anything these days. And, uh, I showed up on Thursday. I got a staff of three people given to me. It's like, a it was weird to be like a sous chef that never been to the property before. You know, like, Hey, these are your guys. Just <laughs> here's the menus get to work. You know, yeah. I'm like, cool. And there were some things like, I wish I would have taken more time to talk to the chef beforehand. And so I'm going back there on uh, this Thursday for the next home game. Oh, wow. And, but I reached out to him today, like, Hey man, can I get the, the menu and the numbers for how many people are going to be at these parties? Cause that's something like I didn't have till Thursday and I didn't even have the numbers till like day of pretty much. Uh, I, not that, not that he didn't have them. I just, he was so busy doing his thing that I didn't really get an accurate count of who was going to be there. And actually he didn't either. It's definitely not his fault. Cause we cooked for about a hundred people for like the chairman and executive parties. That's so awesome. And I think like 15 people showed up. Oh, that's, yeah. And, and you have to plate everything individually now <laughs> in the, in these like to-go boxes. And we yeah. did like fancier to-go boxes, but it still was just like a hundred plated meals. And most of them were eaten by the staff. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> it, it is a little defeating to see a lot of hard work going into making meals. And then, you know, what's the, what was expected doesn't show up. That's that's a hard one to swallow. Yeah, I guess the good news is for the company there, which, uh, you know, it was all paid for by the chairman and executives. So yeah, it's not like we lost. It's not like they lost money on it. Exactly. But just that amount of food coming back is just sad to see. Yeah, it's 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 a bummer. It's uh, it's just hard to to think of like how much effort you put into it, and then you're like, oh man, I was like actually kind of proud of what I did there, and nobody's gonna like know what what i did yeah the hard part is like the sauces like i, oh, yeah. I seared off it was like airline chicken uh seared off real nice but i didn't want to like have the sauce sit on top of it mm-hmm. so we put the sauces in some pcs shipped them up with them and nobody knew what the hell they were yeah I... <laughs> so, so nobody was putting the sauce on their chicken i was just like oh that's a bummer now i yeah. uh, now with sauces in uh, especially because everything's compostable uh, for what we use so I put down like a little piece of patty paper when it needs to be sauced or something and then just kind of like do the saucing that way and it doesn't seep into like the 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 packaging but it's still in the in the to-go box kind of deal yeah it's still all in there so at least they can have it if they want to or even just like a small little I don't know the, the cup inside the box it just it's hard to make I think that would have been better it's with the yeah. cup in the box it's hard to make like uh 
make food look really good. I mean, it's possible, but like you end up like filling these containers way more than like a, a real portion size would be just to make it look like full and good. That That's what I've yeah. been running into. Yeah, we have these nice, oh, well, I, I don't know if they're compostable. I That's my favorite part about the Pacific Northwest is how everything is compostable out there. Like that was so rad. Yeah, there's um, more on it. It's cool. We're not quite there yet. There's a lot of companies out here that do it, which I respect. But uh, as far as the stadiums go, they're getting there. They're getting there. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, our our arena is starting is really really good at it. We definitely don't use anything like plastic anymore, and not even like PC uh, like ketchup or or mustard. Well, that's the yeah. That's the hard part. Is like sauces. Like oh, you you want a PC of ketchup and how many do I pre-make? And uh, it's just like, I don't want PCs of ketchup. I don't want packets of ketchup either. I just want. Right. So now that you're in Colorado, I've been doing, helping out with, um, with the baseball team, but now also you're opening a trailer or you're working on a project with your brother, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, the soccer team, not the baseball team. And that's oh, very recent, team. but yeah, that's okay. But for the, for the last, I would say eight months, seems like a long time right, yeah. <laughs> to not even have it ready uh, and not be selling anything yet. Yeah. But uh, came up with a menu. We're doing uh, – so my brother Kyle and I, er, before COVID even happened, we had talked about at some point in our lives, moving back to Denver, starting a, like a diner. Um, yeah, just not greasy spoon. Um, I don't know if there's some popular breakfast spots out here that – uh, snooze have you ever heard of the place snooze i have seen them yeah never never been okay. to one though um they started in colorado i think they're they've expanded to i know at least austin i'm not sure where else yeah. but if you put a good diner within a mile radius of snooze i mean snooze has a weight probably even now even during covid uh they have a wait for like two hours wow. all weekend long <laughs> So if you could just go down the street a little bit and then the food there would be great and the drinks would be great. Like maybe snooze wouldn't have a line anymore. Yeah, man, that is <laughs> and such maybe a dream. we would. I, I love um, that. Diners are the, are the one thing that I haven't been to in so long. I since probably since like Los Angeles and sometime in New York, I, I would go to one diner, but man, the diner life, I would actually want to open one up as well. It sounds like so much fun. Yeah. And I mean, it's eggs are cheap um, and they're easy to elevate. And then, I mean, the best diner here, in my opinion, is one called the Butcher's Block, and you can't even drink there. And it's still my favorite place to go to get breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's like real greasy spoon though. It's you know you're you're talking about a seven to ten dollar plate. <laughs> is it filled up to the brim though? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's awesome. But yeah, so. When we were thinking about that, he was thinking like we could have herb walls and everything's fresh and we could get all these local purveyors and, and just be super local, be super Colorado. And he wanted to call it Bloom and Grow, uh, Bloom and Grow Diner. And yeah, yeah, that makes sense if we have all these herbs on the walls and everything. Um, and then when COVID hit and we both actually moved back to Colorado <laughs> within like a month of each other, unplanned, um, he was like, yeah, I'm buying a trailer. I want you to be the chef. Let's do sandwiches, like hot sandwiches, like at least six ounces of meat on each sandwich. And he wanted to keep the Bloom and Grow name on there. Yeah. And I do like, because he, he sees this down the down the road as an extension of this diner at some point where people come, they eat at the diner, and they see the trailer, and they go, oh, I'm going to hire them to do a private event or something yes. like that. Great idea. Yeah, and it's very like farmhouse themed. Um, but I just I I didn't think the Bloom and Grow name made sense for a sandwich trailer. I don't know. Um, like maybe yeah, it it sounds like it would roll. It, it definitely, you know, it's kind of like what's in a name, yeah. a rose by any other name kind of deal. But uh, <laughs> we're, and we're gonna make great food. But I was really hoping for Britain Brothers hot sandwiches. Ooh. I think that would have been solid. We're brothers. What do we do? hot sandwiches so that's very we're doing, cool. 
Bloomin' Grow sandwiches is still, I mean, you still know you're getting a sandwich. It's still great. And the food's going to be great. Um, yeah, and it's just little twist on your favorite hot sandwiches. <laughs> when do you guys but, plan to kind of start <laughs> making any moves for that? Have you guys had any, uh, has there even been a window of, of, of thinking about that? Oh, yeah. There's. I mean, we have the trailer in our possession, um, which is great. It, we had it custom made in China. So when we were making it, um, my, we had just like, my, my dad had just laid down a concrete pad to build a garage on, but he was still months out of building the garage on top of it. So we cut boxes in the size of, uh, the equipment we knew we needed like freezers, fridges, and, you know, a deli cooler and all that stuff. And, uh, chalked out the size of the trailer Wow. And then we played Tetris with these cardboard pieces to make sure that everything would fit in and that we could move around each other and still work. Uh, That's so I, cool. I, I, I really felt like we crossed every T we could. And then the trailer gets made to all of our specs. It shows up. We pick it up. It takes a while to uh, because the axles weren't put on them. So we had to, had to sit. Well, yeah, because it got shipped in like a big shipping container. Yeah. How long did that so, take, by the way? Uh, longer than expected as well, by <laughs> almost a month. Wow. So when we thought we'd be getting this in January, we got it late February and we didn't even get it. It showed up in the United States. Wow. <laughs> and then with the, the tariffs and everything with the war with China and the, the trading war with China, uh, we had to pay a lot extra once it showed up just yeah. to have it shipped to Colorado. And then once it got here, we got it dropped off at like a, a semi-truck repair shop and they put the axles on for us but that took a little over a week just because they were busy because we had just had this huge snowstorm here and tons of semi-trucks had been in accidents wow oh, um and then we are okay now all we need is to get a vin number so we need the state patrol to do that they come and inspect it and she's and the, and the officer was awesome like her wife used to run a food trailer as well and she was like so excited for us but she also goes, you need power brakes on your trailer and you need lights on the side of it or when you're in transit. (laughs) So we take it to another, like a mom and pop shop to get that done. And they had never seen an axle or it's a double axle. They'd never seen axles like the ones we have. And they would have to like find parts somehow. And we said, you know what, let's just take those axles off, put on axles, you know, with power brakes. (laughs) Wow. And some lights. And that took <laughs> over a month for them to do, even though it's like we called some other spots. They're like, yeah, it's probably like a six to eight hour job. Oh. But it took, we literally just got this from them. We got it uh, last Thursday. Wow. We, we actually picked it up and it's at my brother's house now. Fully rolling, and, ready uh, to roll. Jesus. Well, no, now. We have this week, we have another meeting with the state patrol because they have to approve it before they give it a VIN number. We have to get a VIN number before we can get a license plate. And we have to have a license plate number before we can have the health department come out and make sure we're good to sell food. Wow. But everything else on the inside is like ready to go. Like, (laughs) well, we haven't, sadly, with all the, uh, restaurants that closed down around the nation but especially in denver uh there was tons of auctions for equipment so we pretty much equipped our trailer with uh you know a refrigerator from racines or a freezer from colton gray which are just like kind of i racines would be a staple for brunch here in, in colorado and Colton Gray was just an awesome charcuterie place where they made all their meats in house and had like a, a butcher and a, a, it was just sad to go to these places that I loved going to and then to buy their equipment from them. Wow. <laughs> you know, at like pretty low cost. So it was great for us and I just felt terrible did, with all the uh, Did you meet with like managers of the of the restaurant or was it just like uh somebody just took possession of it and were selling the stuff? It was it was through a third party. I I'm, I know for race scenes they retired. I think they just decided, you know what, this is so uh, up in the air. If we'll ever come back, we'll take this time to retire. Wow. Um, Colton Gray, 
they were only inside. They only had an indoor place and it was huge. And they had this beautiful basement too, that was all done up for cocktail parties and stuff. But I just don't think they, yeah, they just didn't have the capacity to do outdoor dining. And that was all that was alive at that time. Wow. That's so Yeah. But you know, hopefully one day someone will come up on that restaurant and do something good. Cause that sounds like a wonderful experience. Be able to go downstairs and stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really hard carrying because that's where we got like our sandwich prep cooler. Mm-hmm. Oh, you had to take it upstairs. <laughs> I had it, my brother and I had to carry it upstairs, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't. Luckily, like when I walked through that kitchen, how clean that kitchen was, I was so happy. Wow, it's like okay, this chef, whoever he was or she, was awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Because they didn't, they didn't let shit fly, and. But, you know, still underneath the corners of a refrigerator, yeah. that is still gross. Yeah. <laughs> Things sit, they just accumulate. And then it's just on your shoulder trying to lift it up the stairs. And you're just like, oh. So crazy. So, yeah. uh, like, what's what's your hookup then? You got, like, I assume it's propane powered for what? We're doing all electric, man. Oh, it's all electric. We got this fa- yeah, we got a fancy, I mean, the generators these days are pretty pretty insane. Yeah. And and like quiet, um, we we're planning on mainly doing uh, farmers markets and big like outdoor events, not just kind of street to street late night crowds or anything like that. Um, the plan is just kind of it's more of a supplement, you know. That's why I'm still looking for some sort of full time job here yeah. uh, once this gets rolling. Uh, and we'll hire a couple kids to, you know, I'll have, I, I already have all my recipes written out in spreadsheets and exactly how to do everything. Uh, I even like priced out the salt and pepper. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. every, so, every penny counts, man. It sure does. And, uh, so that was, that was actually was a lot of fun for me. That's what I spent a lot of time on during the pandemic. Cause you know, as many dishes that made it to the trailer, I realized like, shit we need to just do like a handful of things really really well yeah we can't be spreading ourselves thin and doing way too many things so that is key the way yeah the way i made the menu look bigger was i took like so we're doing like we're making our own corned beef we're doing uh, uh a reuben sandwich the one thing i couldn't do was make sauerkraut i tried so hard <laughs> and just failed every time i was that's i don't know why that's so hard to do but yeah, I found a nice product that I'm just going to use for now. But uh, do you have? Will you have access to a commissary and stuff like to work in out of and the where the trailer can like park up and you can work there too, or is it like they have like their own kitchen? Uh, it's a community kitchen. Okay, yeah, wicked. bunch of trailers, bunch of food trucks. Yeah, like that that whole thing of like, I don't know. It's always trying to deal with like having way too many things on the menu, like you were saying, and then just like kind of. Like, is this realistic? Like, can I have all this stuff on the menu, like in the in these like refrigerators and stuff? Like, I'm sure you could, but then it's like you don't carry a, a lot of, and then I don't know, it just it becomes like a little complicated. How do you, how did you figure out like how what to cut down on on your menus? What you know, I think I came down to what I think would be the the most tasty items. <laughs> yeah. So like with making my own potato chips and everything, which is nothing crazy, but. That's figured doing some like Irish nachos, but every time I've seen Irish nachos, they were just potato chips with all your like traditional Mexican nacho stuff. <laughs> so I was like, Irish nachos should be like Reuben toppings. So mm. I like, I already have everything there for a Reuben. So ordering some Reuben nachos with the corned beef, the sauerkraut like a drizzle of Russian dressing and then beer cheese on top just to make it feel nacho-y. That sounds so um, good. I do the same with like a Cubano. So like Cubano nachos almost, which is basically just, but with potato chips. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and basically take a, take the sandwich. It's only like seven or eight bucks at that point to do the nachos instead of the sandwich. Mm-hmm. And it's, we didn't have any shared dishes anyway. So took off a handful of sandwiches added like a chicken, like we had chicken salad. We, I wanted to do like a coffee tuna, which I still want to do eventually, but um, Ooh, yeah. just, yeah, 
I'm just going to nail the things I know that I can do well consistently all day, every day. Yeah. That's so cool, man. I look forward to the day to be able to actually go out and, and try this and like see what you got going on, see some pictures. I... Yeah. That's the, that's the next thing we got to line up is a photo shoot. And it's hard, you know, cause I want to actually order everything that I'm going to actually do on these sandwiches. But then I realized like, that photo shoot needs to be done soon because we need those photos up to promote. Yeah. And I can't just order a shit ton of food and have it sit in this commissary kitchen for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be, that would suck. It'd be a, a terrible waste, but yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I'm glad that you're, that you have a project going on. Like, I don't know. Really excited for you. That's so cool. Yeah, you mentioned wanting to come out and hop on there at some point. I think what would be fun to do if that is in the future, which I don't see why it wouldn't be, is you should co- totally come up with like a sandwich you want to do. Oh. And I'll man. just order everything for it. And you come out like a week before we prep and do whatever. And no. hopefully it's like when there's a big outdoor festival and we just crush it. No, that would be fun. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I'd love to work on the line. Like jumping on. Actually, that'd be be fun to do with all of our friends heck yeah hey what are you doing in two weeks (laughs) yeah that would be a lot of fun yeah yeah just even just to hang out with you again you don't have to come out here and work i I (laughs) know come out here and hang out if i'm out there most likely i'll be like yeah man you need help i'll I'll be on there like you don't need to pay me i'm more than happy to just stage for you oh no you get paid it wouldn't (laughs) be a stage (laughs) you could pay me in beer that's always the best some sort of alcohol payment is always nice yeah, here at Coors Light costs a nickel. Yay! I love Coors Light with the Jameson <laughs> shot. Well, that that one that'll cost you. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> now that we've like gone through all of where have you been, where you're going, what what was it about culinary that like got you inspired to? to continue doing it like beyond just needing was it just i need a job and you know what i kind of just fell into it and it feels great now or like when you first started on it did you feel any like uh hesitation towards it or any anxiety towards it i i'd always enjoyed my time in the back of house before jumping into stadiums and doing the back of house at stadiums but i would make so much more money bartending and it was just more uh it was just a better job to bartend as far as money goes, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no love in the kitchen at $10 an hour or even less right. in some places. Oh, goodness, yeah, not at the music venue. I mean, luckily we got tipped out at the music venue, but, uh, yeah, I think it would be hard to work a show, at, you know, and, and we were doing burgers and fries at this music venue. It wasn't anything crazy. And if it was busy, you know, you'd be happy about it and you'd walk home with your head held high, but the sense of pride that I got the very, that very first game and just being like, wow, I, I, I did that. That's I was part of this team that just fed over a hundred thousand people for like four hours straight. (laughs) Yeah. That is quite an accomplishment. But, and also just the, the community that we built in that kitchen together and just how far out of the way we would go and not even in the kitchen, but outside of the kitchen. I mean, showing up to Moses' house and scaring his mom to death because it's 3 a.m. <laughs> and we had to start firing food at 3.15. Oh, and yeah. Moses got home at 1.30 and fell asleep. Oh, and not okay. 1.30 because he was out partying. We left the kitchen at 1.30 that was and had so to be back bad. there in two hours. And we scared the shit out of his mom so that she would wake up Moses so we could get to work on time. And so nobody got in trouble. I mean, what kind of, I mean, that's, that's some pretty tight knit group right there. Was that the same night that we almost died when we were turning left on to, to get, Oh, that that crazy car ran the red light. Yep. Everything happened that one morning. (laughs) Good grief. That was. Yeah. That was a scary moment. I th- yeah, I think is what we we did like a plated dinner or something. Is that what it was? It was like the usual. They do like one every season where it's like a night plated dinner for the, like the team after the whole cheering, the midnight yell. Yeah, happens. it was like 
was it 2,000 people or something like that, or 3,000 people played it? Yeah, and then from there, yeah, I basically went home, took a shower, got back in the car, went to go pick up Theo, then went to like, just went to go pick everybody up. Yeah, and it's kind of the process, right? Like, we drop you'd drop people off on the way, we'd all go home, shower. I, I'd usually, like, have a beer. I wouldn't sleep. <laughs> yeah. I'd have a beer or two, shower give you a call be like hey you got the yet and that's how i knew he'd be like 15 minutes or 10 minutes away yeah that was just the way it went man yeah that was some time man but yeah it's it's amazing the the way we all come together and like it's interesting how that makes quite an imprint when you're working in this industry like even though there's a bunch of hard times like that kind of like gets brushed away when you look on it like after you're done doing everything you're like man we all pulled together and like did something really cool but in the moment it all sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the moment's tough but gosh i mean just like that first food push you know you know there's going to be a second one at some point there's going to be some doe's on sweets or whatever but uh when that when you know like the whole first push has happened I, sh- I, sh- I want to sit down, but I'm going to mop. <laughs> <laughs> if I get the mopping done, that means I don't have to wait an hour later than I need to to leave because yeah. we'll all have things done. Yeah, and just, yeah, and how exhausted we all were, but yeah, let's let's not leave this place a mess. Come on, yeah, let's clean up. The cigarette walking away from there was good. <laughs> I Just everything when you left there was good. The hot... <laughs> Texas stinky stiff air. Yeah. When you left that kitchen, the AC'd kitchen. Yeah, no, it's so bad. <laughs> it's such a nice thing though, like when we did have supporting people there, like uh, you know, I I felt bad for for certain groups of people that were there when cuz I would see like, oh man, these guys are like me on my first year here. They don't have a ride back to their hotel. All right, I'm going to give them a ride back. I'll fit whoever oh, I can yeah. and then take them home, but like yeah, I mean, it's such a hellish, hellish situ- situation when you live there, but at least you could go home. But our support team just, they, like, put put up with it so well. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, Chris and Chaz and Tibbs and, gosh, I've met so many great people through that kitchen, too, you know, and just through cooking. Uh, and it's kind of a unique experience, uh, I can only speak because it's pretty much the only one I know as far as like professional and, and that, you know, I was a chef and I, and I did these things, uh, but having that help and, and seeing how much they cared, even though they didn't do last season or they didn't do the season before that, or they didn't do the game before this. And, and they come in and they're like, I want to do this to your standards. And you just tell me what you need me to do. And you could tell them and trust them. And that was that was a huge relief to have those guys for sure. And girls. Holy crap. Yeah. Some of the women that I learned so much. Chef Dayani. Uh, Car- Chef uh, Carmen. Carmen. My God, yeah. Oh, they were beasts. Like they, what they could kill it. Rock star. Yeah. Rock star. What I think was great for me though was seeing all those chefs and they were chefs and they ran their properties from wherever they were, you know, whether it's baseball stadiums or uh, tennis tournaments or whatever it was that they ran in the past. Uh, uh, NASCAR they'd come and, and and they would just be there for us. Yeah. Not the other way around, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then to learn like when I started traveling for Levy and uh, to learn like there were some chefs that came to A&M that I, I would never want to work with again. And I won't say their names or anything, but um, <laughs> just the way they treated the kitchen, not even the people, which they treated the people worse than they treated the kitchen. But I remember cleaning up after this, this chef, uh, they had left their cutting board and raw chicken bits oh. all over this table and and i was like hey where's this where's this chef oh they left they said they were done for the day like they didn't clean up after themselves (laughs) like you kidding me (laughs) it's like excuse me there's you learn from both sides you learn when you're going to support okay i'm not going to be that person i want to be 
this person who shows up and just dro- drops jo- uh, jaws and, and is there to help and clean up. And I mean, you remember the floors after Chef Carmen came? Yeah. She power washed the floors. <laughs> That's such like, pride. Just yeah. after everybody left, she just power washed the floors. <laughs> yeah. Dude, they were the real deal. And like, yeah, it was just insane. Yeah. Like, there are, it, it's crazy to, to hear like how. Like I wouldn't say it was like late in the game, but like I mean, you you came in you your work ethic was so good that you it seemed like it was a effortless transition from whatever you were doing in your past. Like I could have, like okay, I'll put it this way, that you seemed like you were you had been in the field like from like such a kid, like that that was your thing. Like that's how good you you were. That's how I felt. How good you were. How you performed in the kitchen. And it was so super impressive, man. Well, it's compartmentalizing. Like I bartended for years at a really high volume bar next to the Rocky Stadium, you know. So taking you know fifteen to thirty drink orders and trying to remember all of them and where they go. Yeah. Huh. And it's high stress, and people are screaming at you, and you know somebody's puking into your ice well, and <laughs> now you gotta like, <laughs> just. It, it it's different, but it's similar as far as the mentality that you have to have to be successful. Because if you just hate on it, when you show, you know, like, oh, all these people are trying to get drunk, then I have to serve them. And you can you can hate on that, or you can like, okay, how can I still be the best me, even to this asshole who's like waving a dollar bill at me? Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> man, so, that's so cool though. Like that that right there is like. It's like being like, even though you were like in the industry in a different part of it, you still got that like that muscle memory knowledge of being able to like move fast and think on your feet. Like, man, I, I wish I could have had that when I was first started in the, in the culinary industry and in, in hospitality period, like in in this whole cooking industry or, or food service. There we go, food service industry. Like that knowledge, it's cool how it just like crossed over easily enough, and it made you look like you had been doing it for so long. It's super impressive. Yeah. Well, I mean, having that, my first like real culinary experience was at a Japanese place for about, I don't know, probably about seven or eight months. And uh, was a place called Din Deli. It was a part of Sushi Din, which is like one of the best sushi places in Colorado. Back then, it was the best. Um, three brothers owned the business. Two of them were here stateside. One still lived in Japan and worked a fish market and would send fresh fish from Japan three times a week to our restaurants. That's and, so awesome. Uh, yeah. So I started just as like kind of cutting carrots, making the potato salad, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. but, but I couldn't just cut carrots anyway. I like they had to be cut exactly the same way every time, every piece and anything that my knife went through, like this chef was like, you have, and he, he barely spoke English. Um, his brother Yasu, so it's chef Toshi and then Yasu was like the business side of things. So Toshi could speak English, but just not the best at it. Yeah. But when he did speak to you, it was so important. Like he knew exactly what words to say that it could be like four words. And he just like understood, okay, holy crap, this guy means business and everything has to be perfect. So my very first like experience doing any kind of mise en place or any, any kind of prep work was like, it's so detailed. And I think that was really good for me. And Eventually, I was doing the poke bowls, and I was like actually cutting fish at this point, and like making these beautiful like unagi bowls, and and then I kept moving up because people kept getting fired above me. Oh. <laughs> and we did we did authentic ramen, like we boiled our bones for twenty four hours. We had chicken feet and pig hooves and pig bones and all types of things boiling all the time, all day long. It was just one boiler. It was huge. And then we strain it at the end of the night, put it in these tubs, and then it, it just turned into this gelatinous. <laughs> no, man. And so, that's it. but yeah, we would do this ramen. And uh, the, the deal was once the ticket's printed, you have three minutes to get that ramen to its table. Whoa. That's legit yeah. food service right there. 
it's insane and very difficult, especially when you get busy and you have 15 ramens coming through. And we did three different types of ramen, which I know it's not saying much. Ramen is much more popular now. This is 15 years ago. It's much more popular in Denver now. That's kind of like for Denver, that was the start of the ramen push where now everybody's doing some sort of ramen Absolutely. if they have a, a, uh, an Asian restaurant. But um, Toshi would come in with his brother Yasu. So Chef would come in with his brother and during the slow time, like two o'clock, and he'd go to the ramen cook and he'd go, you know, make me two tantan nibs. And the guy would make it. And if it was too hot, if it was too cold, and if it took over three minutes, they were fired. Wow. Fired. <laughs> Get out of here. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm moving up because everybody that was above me is becoming the ramen guy. And then Toshi would come in every, I don't know, every two or three weeks and, and order a ramen from the new ramen guy. And no longer the ramen guy. Wow. That is so cool. And so, yeah. So I finally got moved up to ramen line. Which wasn't just ramen. We also did like udon and soba and a few other. It was the noodle line, it was the hot hot soup line. Yes. And and I've been doing it for like I don't know four or five days. Um, so I've probably done like I don't know three hundred to four hundred ramens at this point. Wow. And uh, so I'm feeling confident, but then he shows up and it's like confidence gone. I'm like, fuck, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting fired. <laughs> he hasn't even said anything to me yet. And I know I'm getting fired. <laughs> so he comes in with his brother and he's like, yeah, we need two ramens. Mm. And I go, big breath. <laughs> I grab my ladle into the first pot and then he's handing me the second pot. I'm like, oh shit. Wow. He's already he's already behind the line with me. Like I already failed. Whoa. <laughs> so I get the second broth going in the second pan. I go, I grab the noodles, which were flown in fresh from your your part of town from California, out in the Chinatown there. Okay. So we uh, drop the noodles. I turn around to grab my bok choy to slice it. I'm going to drop it in there too. He's already slicing the bok choy oh. for me. I'm like, oh, oh God, just kick me out now. Anyway, I, basically, I like, I pretty much just garnish what he makes. Wow. <laughs> like a world class chef makes himself and his brother ramen, and I just throw the, the garnish on there. Wow. And, uh, they they both take, I set their bowls down in front of them. It's an open kitchen, so there's just kind of like a um, the food pickup line, yeah. and it's got heat lamps over it, but it looks almost like a bar. Uh-huh. So I put the two bowls down, and I'm just like, okay, start like packing my knives, <laughs> and they both taste it, and they look at me like, oh, it's very good, it's very good. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you made it. <laughs> like, I didn't. They just didn't want to fire you, man. They're like, this guy's been here for a minute. Let's not fire him. I never got another test. They decided eventually to like sell because they had three restaurants pretty much all catty corner to each other. And they kind of competed with each other. Yeah. I like that business model. Well, it was good, but they, I think what they did, they eventually sold one of them to a brewery. The place I was at, they turned into a tapas place, wow. and they bought the next bar next to their big spot, which was Sushi Den, and they turned it into all three of those places all in one roof. Hmm. So instead of having a ramen bar, uh, the sake bar, and a sushi bar, they now had all of it under one roof, just kind of in sections, but you could order from every spot. Yeah, I imagine the rent got probably to be too much after a while. Yeah. So anyway... Yeah, that's I made what I'm the talking ramen. about, though. That is so cool. <laughs> Those are the experiences that I love, like, of being in the shit, and like, it just you grow so much from there, and yeah, it's just really cool to see that and to hear that. Cool, man. I thank you so much for giving me your time for today for a little while. Uh, definitely, I'll want to get back in touch with you on the next season and have you back for a couple of questions when that happens oh yeah hopefully i have a whole update on uh 
hopefully you have come out at that point and, and had some of the food I'm going to be making. And then we can, we can totally talk about absolutely the next steps. If I go out there, I'm bringing a camera and recording and filming and doing a, like a, a better podcast where with a person next to me over the, Excellent. over the phone yeah. is weird. Like for me still, uh, I like it, but it's yeah. a little weird. <laughs> I, you know, I hate talking on the phone. This is different because catching up with you and uh, it just feels a little bit different than just kind of like calling somebody. I'm terrible at calling people. Yeah, same here. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, so this, <laughs> yeah, if we were just in the same room, that'd be awesome. Absolutely, man. I was, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Well, uh, send my thoughts to Sarah, all right? Absolutely. Let Abby know. Thank you so much for giving me your time, and y'all have a very good evening. You as well. Thank you so much. Take care, man. You too. Bye. Another great conversation, and yeah, just a good time to have with him talking about where he came from, what he's done, and you know where he's going. It's just really proud of him and really excited for him, and... I can't wait to go out to Colorado to try his food and work with him and, yeah, just get crazy, man. So, up ahead, I have another episode that I recorded. It's with my buddy Theo, and uh, yeah, he's another great guy that I knew from Texas and excited to bring you that one. So, I'll edit it soon, and I'll get it up as soon as I can, I suppose, and uh, I hope everyone out there is doing well. Please take care of yourself. If you're not vaccinated, go get vaccinated. Just do it. <laughs> take care. Be well. I'll see you soon. Bye.